You're listening to My HR Buzz, brought to you by My HR Concierge. Hosted by Chris Cooley, we'll bring you various topics and guests to shed light on the often confusing world of HR and also employee screening. We'll be putting the human in human resources. Thank you for joining us today on the My HR Buzz podcast. We know the world of HR and employee management can get confusing. We want to use this podcast to break down those topics and provide you the information that you need and not put you to sleep while doing it. The podcast can be found on iTunes and all your other typical podcasting sites. And in addition to the podcast, many of these topics can also be found on our MyHRBuzz blog, which is www.myhrbuzz.com. This is a free resource. It has a lot of great information, and we really encourage you to use that. Today, we're going to discuss the Affordable Care Act specifically the California versus Texas lawsuit that's going before the Supreme Court in November. This case has the potential, depending upon how the Supreme Court rules, to have a significant impact on health insurance going forward. Therefore, we're going to discuss the case. We're going to discuss who's involved in that case, what are the potential rulings, and how it affects health care going forward in the future. Well, great. Well, I want to thank Misty Baker for being here today. Uh, Misty is the Director of Compliance and Government Affairs for Benefit Mall, and she's going to help us um, learn more about the Affordable Care Act, uh, one of our favorite subjects. And it's just something that uh, there's a case going on right now. It's the California versus Texas case, which is going to be heard um, in front of the Supreme Court on November the 10th. And we thought it would be great to have her come in and help us understand the case and what kind of ramifications that it may have. And so, Misty, thanks. Thanks for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Compliance is my favorite thing to talk about. Awesome. Well, we appreciate it. And if you would, would you tell us just just a little bit about Benefit Mall as well? Yeah, we are the largest GA that generally you can see. Um, We help insurance agents connect the right kind of insurance for employer groups, large and small. Um, We do an amazing job with technology. So our, our real big claim to fame is that you can quote everything, you can do everything online from quote to enrollment, um, including some enrollment meetings. Um, and so we are just super excited about helping agents really connect that right insurance to their, for their clients. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. And, and I will say we, we work together. I've worked with Misty for five or six years now, and they do a great job. Uh, they really do, and and it's been been a, they've been a great partner for us, and we really enjoyed working with them. So we really appreciate it. Well, feelings mutual, Chris. We love working with you too. Well, thank you, thank you, and and so at, as we as we talk about uh, this case, California versus Texas, one of the things I always like to do is kind of get into well, who are the players? So in this case, Misty, who who are the players? Who who are the defendants in the and and who, who's defending the case? the act and who is challenging the act. <laughs> um, okay. So the, the first thing I have to do is kind of give you a little bit of a, um, a little asterisk here. We're going to, we're going to say that I'm not an attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, I only wish I was an attorney. So if any of my attorney law, uh, my friends are listening to this, I may make you cringe because <laughs> I'm not going to talk in um, attorney speak. It's just not my, it's not my first language. I'm more of an IRS kind of girl, but um, so I'm not going to talk like a lawyer. I'm kind of going to give you the, the details in, in everyday language. 
Um, this is a really difficult case because we have so many players involved. So basically, this was known as Texas versus the United States in the lower courts where it first started out. We also have two litigants or two um, people who are in addition to Texas versus the United States. That's when it first started. Um, now, because it's get, gone through the Fifth Circuit Court um, and they struck some things down, we also had Congress intervene with the Tax um, Cuts and Job Act. So basically, we have all of these things kind of in a melting pot. Um, and so now what we, is coming out of that melting pot is what is going to be heard in the Supreme Court, and that's called California um, versus Texas. You said earlier that it was going to be heard, it's scheduled to be heard on Tuesday, November the 10th. Um, and so we have a lot of different players. Um, you know, we, we have um, 20 states that are leading this um, lawsuit um, against the United States. Um, we have 18 basically Republican attorney generals um, and two Republican governors who are leading um, that charge. We also have, like I mentioned, two individual plaintiffs. Um, these two plaintiffs are self-employed. They live in Texas. And they claim that the individual mandate um, really required them um, to purchase health insurance that they wouldn't normally buy. Um, and they would be penalized if they failed to buy the right kind of coverage. So we have a lot of states, um, governors, um, and two plaintiffs in this case who brought this against the federal government. Okay, thank you. Now, now let me ask you this. So, so where do the feds sit on this case? Where, where are they as far as, um, are they defending the case? Are they for the changes? Kind of where do they sit in this process? I wish it was such a, a, a very easy answer. Um, but it's not. And this is, again, why this is so complex. It's, you know, generally the federal government is going to um, protect their own law that they passed. And it kind of started out that way. Um, but throughout the, the trial or the litigation, um, the government is, is really saying, OK, I'm not going to defend the constitutionality of the individual mandate. So remember the individual mandate um, was struck down. Actually, let me back up. This, that's why, you know, like I said, it's really complex. The individual mandate, the law still stands. You must buy health insurance. And if you don't, as an American, you will be penalized. What was struck down is the penalty dollar amount. That dollar amount is zero. So um, we see that, you know, through these years of little uh, litigation, the government really is not defending the constitutionality of the individual mandate. The federal government agrees with the state and, and these two individual plaintiffs from Texas that the individual mandate is not constitutional anymore. Um, and I'm going to bring in one more, you know, kind of issue for us to digest is the Tax Cuts and Job Act that was passed in 2017 
that really brought that financial penalty down to nothing. So the law stands, you must have coverage or you will be penalized, but the Tax Cuts and Job Act reduced that penalty to $0. So it's really very odd. Um, And again, I'm not a lawyer and I certainly have not studied the Supreme Court of the United States in depth. But to me, it seems really unusual that the government um, is not trying to, like, uphold this federal law. They're kind of saying, eh, we can do without it. It's already zeroed out. So, again, lots of moving parts in, in what the you know, government is defending here. Yeah, absolutely. You would think they would at least, uh, that they would defend that since it is a, is a law and, and as I understand, essentially what's happened is the federal government has almost stepped aside on 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 in some ways. And that's when California and their group came into this process to try and defend the law. Um, exactly. And so no, that, that's very interesting. And so so really, it sounds like the the biggest component of this is the fact that the individual mandate with it going to zero from a penalty perspective. Therefore, if there's no penalty, there, it, the individual mandate effectively was shot down. And with it shot down, you know, how does that relate to the whole ACA, uh, the whole Affordable Care Act? So does that mean the Affordable Care Act goes away? Does that mean that components of that go away? How does that really, how does that really work? And I know this, this got moved to the Fifth Circuit. So how, how does that um how does that affect the act as in the whole? Um, so it brings in the question of um, severability. And you'll hear this a lot in the news. Is the individual mandate, can you sever that from the whole Affordable Care Act? Um, and quite frankly, you know, what the Supreme Court, we hope, will answer um, is number one, you know, should the Affordable Care Act be found invalid just because the individual mandate is? Can it be severed from the rest of the law? So does that mean we can just take that individual mandate penalty out of the Affordable Care Act, but leave everything else in place? Um, do we want instead the federal, I'm sorry, the Supreme Court to, um, you know, take everything away from the Affordable Care Act? Do we want to make that null and void so there's no more employer penalty? There's no more, you know, rating bans. There's no more coverage to age 26. The big one is pre-existing conditions. Um, do, is everything from the Affordable Care Act going to be invalid? Um, and to me, it, from you know my study that I that I've done, um, it's you're almost like, is the Supreme Court going to just take away things from the Affordable Care Act that maybe have a have a like a dollar amount, a penalty to Americans? Um, you know, what specific provisions fall into the category um, for the Supreme Court really to to, to decide on? Um, 
you know, we've had this lawsuit going on since, you know, 2018, basically, where you see the, you know, we see a, a trial uh, invalidates the entire Affordable Care Act. Um, and then in early 2019, we see that the you know, United States kind of changes their position um, on the ACA. Um, and then they kind of, in, in the summer of 2019, argue that some things are unrelated to the two plaintiffs issue, saying they didn't want to buy health insurance in the first place and they're being penalized. Um, so we see so much back and forth. Um, and really it's now led by California who really want to make sure that the Affordable Care Act in general stands as it is. So it sounds like this could be either a huge dud where where virtually nothing really changes, um, other than maybe the individual mandate goes away to the full basically end of the Affordable Care Act. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we could see, and, you know, we haven't talked Supreme Court yet, but, you know, the Supreme Court stands at eight people. Um, You know, how would that impact the overall court decision um, if there was a ninth justice sitting, um, sitting there, but, you know, it's, it's a really interesting kind of, almost like a flow chart in my mind of what could happen when it comes to California versus Texas, you know, is, um, you know, basically does, does the plaintiff have standing and standing just means, is there a justified reason for this self-employed Texan uh, to bring suit uh, to the Supreme court? Um does the U.S. House have standing? Don't forget, we have the House um, and Congress involved. You know, is the individual mandate constitutional? Um, you know, if it is unconstitutional, how in the world is the employer mandate constitutional? Um, and so, you know, can the individual mandate be severed from the rest of the Affordable Care Act? And, and one of the things that I want to make sure to mention is that No Republican or Democrat that I have ever spoke to in Washington, D.C., or in my home state of Texas or any other states that I visit um, legislators, not one of them has said to me, I want pre-existing conditions to come back. I want that to happen. Not one. So I don't think that any elected official, at least, is going to vote to bring back the Affordable Care Act's uh, or or the pre-existing conditions. Um, President Trump even went as far to sign um, about two weeks ago, he put in place an executive order that said, we're not going to have pre-existing conditions. You know, even if the court, if the Supreme Court says, you know, ACA is totally thrown out. Now, we don't know if he's going to be president when this is, uh, you know, litigated and announced because, you know, just because they hear it in beginning of November, they probably won't um, issue their decision until it could be as late as June. Um, And, you know, last time we had a Supreme Court decision on the Affordable Care Act, they did wait until June um, to announce their findings. So, 
you know, we anticipate a very long runway here to get the Supreme Court's um, kind of final decision. And, you know, that final decision, it, it, you know, it could be the whole ACA is struck down. It could be the individual mandate is struck down. And then do we have to start all over with new um, outcomes on that employer mandate, possibly? Right. And I think that that's going to be that that's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, and, and, you know, one thing and you were, you were mentioning about the eight justices, I did see today, this morning, that, that they're they're trying to get confirmation on uh, October the 26th. Um, so, you know, we may that may go back up to nine. And if so, that's going to be very interesting to see how that how that plays out. Um, to see if that, you know, to see what they do with that. Um, because I, I really believe that this is a, it's a huge issue. Um, and it's a huge, it's a huge issue for a lot of people. It provides health care for a lot of individuals. Um, it also uh, has a big impact on businesses, employers that have to comply with the employer mandate. That's a huge issue for them uh, from an ex- expense standpoint. And so I think this is a, a really big um, issue and a really big hearing that's coming up or arguments before the Supreme Court, I think, you know, in some ways that have been overshadowed by the election, by the confirmation process, by all of those things. But but I do think this is a, a very significant um, issue and that, you know, that we're going to have a hopefully have an answer to here, you know, in next, uh, you know, by next June. Yeah. And regardless of, you know, who is nominated or who's elected president um, and who is really put up on the bench in the Supreme Court, you know, when you talk about people's health care, people get really defensive. You know, when we look at, you know, some of the more benign things in the Affordable Care Act or or, you know, such as keeping your kids on until they're age 26, um, you know, some of that Medicaid expansion money, the preventive services being covered at no cost, you know, some of those things, mm-hmm. that is going to have a huge impact to Americans um, if that was. Now, here, here's the other thing. Let's say SCOTUS totally throws out the Affordable Care Act. Biden is elected as our president. So now we have no ACA. We have Biden in the office. Um, It is going to take some time. And by some time, I mean, you know, a year or more to undo the ACA um, in in its entirety. You will have carriers who still allow you to cover kids up to age 26. Um, You know, I don't I don't think that anybody really wants to bring back pre-existing conditions so we have a lot of what ifs happening um, with this court case that, that will prove to be very, it will be very passionate uh, discussion. It will be um, very determined for each side to, to get what they want. And remember, we're talking about real money here. Um, when it comes to healthcare in our country, you know, being in the top 10 of GDP spending for our country, that's pretty significant. So it touches everyone. Right. No, absolutely. And, and I think that's a great point that you made 
that even, you know, regardless of the decision, if they do away with the Affordable Care Act, uh, even if they do, this isn't something that stops tomorrow once that decision is made. This is something, it will be something that's going to take a while to unwind. Um, and, and so I think, you know, so I think that's very important. The other thing that's very important is, uh, and I know you remember this, but when we first started working with the Affordable Care Act, I talked with no telling how many employers that told me it's going to be repealed. I don't need to comply. <laughs> I don't have to worry with that. And so, you know, that's another point that, you know, to be made as well as for all of you employers that are listening to this, even if the Supreme Court does take away the ACA, that doesn't mean you don't have to comply with the employer mandate this year um, and potentially going forward. Uh, I definitely would not just stop, um, you know, at the beginning of January thinking that it's going to be struck down in June. Until the word comes down that you no longer have to comply, if that word ever comes down, keep in, you know, stay in compliance until then. Because there are a lot of people that had a lot of penalties because they were banking on the, the law being repealed. And obviously it, it hasn't been today. And I will say that, you know, from a reporting standpoint for your larger employers, the ALEs, um, 2020 has been incredibly challenging for all of us. But for you guys, probably more than most, and you don't realize it yet, you know, some of those that, you know, 1095s and 1094s, number one, you got to track when people, mm. you know, were on payroll or on the health plan, off the health plan. Um, so you have a lot of work to do this year. So you're, you're absolutely right. Do not drop the ball um, just yet on reporting. And, you know, Congress is also a huge um, policymaker. You know, the Affordable Care Act wasn't a presidential mandate by Obama. It was passed through Congress. And so we could see the House or the Senate, depending on what that makeup looks like after the elections in November, um, we could see, you know, a, a very liberal Congress if the Senate flips to Democrat. And so we could see all kinds of um, specific pieces of legislation happen. And they, they may not happen in a big package like ACA did. They might happen, you know, one bill at a time. Um, so 2021 is going to be very interesting for employers of all sizes and um, to really keep their, their learning hats on um, yet again um, and keep an eye out for all the changes that could happen. No, absolutely. It's going to be, it, it, it's really going to be interesting to see how all of this plays out. Um, because to your point with the election and depending on how the House and the Senate look, who gets the presidency, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of changes and, and depending on how those dominoes fall are going to play a huge, are going to have a huge impact on healthcare going forward. Um, specifically as it depends on how this case is, you know, how this case is eventually uh, ruled as well. So 20, 2020's, you know, been, I guess you could say fun. 2021 is going to be as well. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Fun in air quotes. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, well, great. Well, well, look, I really appreciate you being here today. I think this has been some great information. Uh, and, and I think it really provides our listeners with you know, what they need to know about this upcoming case. And, and then hopefully, you know, after the arguments, maybe we can get together and have a, 
have another call and, and talk after the um, Supreme Court uh, hears the case. I think that would be a, a great, um, you know, a great just to kind of round that round that off. You know, it's really interesting. Just a final note is that the arguments are going to be one hour and 20 minutes in oral arguments, one hour and 20 minutes of your best debate to the Supreme Court is going to hopefully, you know, bring some change or no change to our entire country. Pretty, pretty cool. That is, that is, that's, uh, yeah, you got to drink your coffee that morning because you're going to have to be <laughs> at your best. That is for sure. Well, we'll definitely be um, listening, reading the transcripts, and um, I look forward to talking to you again about it. Absolutely. And again, um, this is, uh, you know, Misty Baker. She's the Director of Compliance and Government Affairs with Benefit Mall. And we really appreciate you being here. Um, would you like to provide uh, maybe your contact information if anybody would like to reach out? Sure. Um, it's Misty, M-I-S-T-Y dot Baker at BenefitMall.com. Um, I look forward to any comments or questions or pick up the, well, I'll pick up the phone and call you and we'll have a great discussion about the uh, Supreme Court and the Affordable Care Act. Great. Well, I, I appreciate it so much and really appreciate you being here. And you guys, like I said, have been great partners and always been there to, to help us when we needed it. And, and we really appreciate it. You too, Chris. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us on the My HR Buzz podcast. Be sure to listen to our other episodes and check out our blog section of our website at www.myhrconcierge.com. It is a free resource and has all kinds of great information on various HR topics, work-related issues. Uh, Again, it's free. Really encourage you to use that. And then also be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And we look forward to sharing the next episode with you soon.